Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. Uh, Today, I want to share with you one of the seasons in my life when I grew in grace perhaps the most. It was when we were uh, teaching both of our daughters uh, driver's ed. We opted to do the parent instruction course, and there were times I wasn't sure I would make it out of there alive. But I'm alive, and I'm here to tell you that God was faithful and uh, both of my girls are very good drivers, but boy, I mean, we it improved my prayer life. But I want to tell you, uh, based on Psalm 57, something that took place in David's life. You know, maybe you've heard about Daniel and how he was thrown into the lion's den. But did you realize that in Psalm 57 that David says, my soul is in the midst of lions? What did he mean? Well, I believe what he meant was that King Saul was chasing him and uh, King Saul had an army that he had pulled together of 3,000 soldiers and David had his parents and his siblings and he had um, 400 men that were all gathered with him. And according to 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through 22, that I believe is the historical background of this psalm, David and his men were hiding in the cave and Saul comes into the cave. Can you imagine you're trying to hide from a certain person and then there they are. They're in the cave with you, just like a lion in the cave. But not only that, outside the mouth of the cave, you can see all kind of soldiers with spears and swords and all of these kind of things. And everyone is laughing and joking. And you're thinking, there's no way out of the cave. They're going to get us this time. We're trapped. Do you ever feel trapped? I think sometimes life can make us feel that way. Maybe it's a health need. Perhaps it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's work-related or time-related. I don't know what would make you feel trapped. But if you ever feel trapped, I want to point you to Psalm 57. I think that just like You know, they say they're hieroglyphics that, uh, I don't know, some of the peoples from long ago would paint like a buffalo, let's say, on the walls of a cave or describe, you know, on the walls of caves, some of the pictographs that would uh, depict what they were facing at that time. Well, I believe that David wrote down in this Psalm 57 what he meant when he was describing how his soul was among the lions. In the superscription that is written above, it says to the choir master, according to do not destroy a victim of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. So he's definitely inside a cave. I think perhaps that cave was the cave of uh, either Adullam or En Gedi. But my guess is, it's 1 Samuel 24, the cave at En Gedi. 
And so there he is, he's hiding, he's trying not to let Saul find him, and into the cave walks Saul. He didn't know he was there, and oh my goodness. But can you imagine uh, comparing Saul and his men to lions? I mean, lions grow eight feet in length. They can weigh up to 550 pounds. They can run up to 50 miles an hour. So if you're ever in a situation where one's chasing you, you might as well give it up. I don't think you'll outrun him. Uh, You know, it's amazing too, like a male lion eats about 15 pounds of meat per day. And a female eats about 11 pounds of meal per day. So a quarter pounder is just not, not enough. But then think about how they roar and they're so loud. You know, someone said it's sometimes up to 114 decibels, which is louder than 25 gas-powered lawnmowers all going at the same time. So what a scary thing to compare his situation to being in the midst of lions. And so I want us to uh, listen to what this psalm says, because David wrote it under duress. He wrote it in a very dangerous, difficult situation where he was facing impossible odds. Maybe that's how you feel. Listen to what he says. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Wow. You know, some people may travel to Spain to see some of those pictographs in the caves of Altamira. Others may go to France to the Lacau caves. Others may go to Namibia, Apollo 11 cave, or to Australia to the Kakadu National Park cave. Or some may travel right here to Texas to see the Lower Pecos Canyonlands caves. But I submit to you that what David wrote down in Psalm 57, it's priceless. It will help us whenever we are facing impossible odds. So let me share with you just some of the things that he writes here. I'll put it, of course, just sort of in summary form. But the first thing I think he says is, Lord, you're my security. That's what he says in verse one. The Lord is going to be his refuge. Oh, listen, 
His need for security was a very real need. You know, the army of uh, Saul was facing him. It was a very clear and present danger, no doubt about it. You know, when he uses metaphorical pictures like, you know, dragons and lions and describing men's teeth as spears and arrows and tongues as sharp swords, you know, this is a very dangerous situation. So I know that what he was facing was real, but also his refuge was real. Did you catch where he said he was going to find his refuge? I think sometimes we try to find safety in some other kind of cave, but what we really need to do is find safety, not in a place, but in a person. Here's what he says in verse one, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. You see what he's doing? He's saying, Lord, I'm gonna hide in this cave, but in the end, I really am depending on you. In the end, I want you to be my refuge. I love that, and I recommend that to you. Maybe the reason we feel we're in an impossible situation is we haven't, we haven't settled it yet, that the Lord is our protector. He's our refuge. Let's move to a second thing that David, I don't know if he etched this out or just wrote this out, but he was definitely in a cave, and here's what he, he wanted us to know secondly, the sovereignty of the Lord. The sovereignty of the Lord. Listen to the way he puts it. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Wow, I love that. You see, he believed, he was convinced that God controls it all. That's why he called him God most high. But he also believed that when it came to his personal life, he believed that God, he completes it all. He not only controls it all, he completes it all. He says, who fulfills his purpose for me. Well, how could he be sure? I believe he could be sure because he knew that God created it all. That's what he says, be exalted. Let your glory be over all, over the earth, over the heavens and so forth. And so I believe that he also put his complete trust. He found his assurance facing impossible odds in the sovereignty of God, who controls his life, but also who completes every plan that he has for his life. So those are the first two things, to get your sense of security from the Lord, to also trust in the sovereignty of the Lord. But I believe thirdly, he mentions a word here that's very special to every Christian. He will send from heaven and save me. He will send from heaven and save me. You know, I believe that the psalmist is drawing a biblical pictograph of the only one who can rescue us from any danger, no matter what it is. You know, that's why God, who created this heavens, created the earth, all that we see, he created all of this, but he sent his son from heaven down to this earth so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be rescued, so that we could be saved, so that we could be delivered. And so isn't it wonderful that he is able to rescue us and he's able to 
punish evil, if that's what you're afraid of. Maybe you're saying, well, what about those who are trampling on my, my future and my life? Well, it says, he'll put to shame him who tramples on me. God will settle things ultimately between good and evil. But I love this second other thing that he says here when he says, God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. You know, I believe when he says he'll send it out, what he's saying is he's going to show it to us. He's going to reveal it to us. We're going to learn through salvation and how God is helping us, redeeming us from sin and helping us from sin's power in our lives, we're going to see a couple of different things about the Lord. One thing we're going to see is His love is so steady. The second thing we're going to see is He Himself is so faithful. He's steady. And that's where I get this whole idea of this fourth thing that I feel like David was drawing upon in uh Psalm 57, he's also saying in verse 7, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Well, how could David's heart be steadfast whenever he sees Saul, the the one he's hiding from, walk into the cave? He sees 3,000 soldiers of Saul's waiting outside the cave. He's got his mom, his dad, his brothers, sisters, whomever in there, not to mention, you know, 400 of David's soldiers. And so he's thinking, we're toast. There's no way we're going to make it. How can his heart be steadfast? When I went in for my uh, stints that they placed in my heart, they, they wheeled me into the uh, operating room. And you know what the surgeon came over and said to me? He said, Mr. Morrison, you're going to have to calm down because your heart rate is way too fast for what's going on uh, right now. He said, we can't do this procedure if your heart is going to be beating this fast. So I said, okay. So what I did was, in my mind, I started rehearsing every scripture verse I'd ever memorized. I started singing songs on the inside, not on the outside, but on the inside. I started singing songs and saying prayers and all of that. As I focused on God's faithfulness, you know what happened? He comes back and says to me, whatever you did, you keep it up, Mr. Morrison, because your heart rate is way down now. It's perfect for us to move forward with this procedure. You know, I think that's how David was able to get his heart rate down. I believe that what happened was he said, I'm going to focus on how God is faithfulness to me. God is faithful to me. And then that's going to make me be steady about him and keep a level head. And so I think that's what he means when he's talking about being steadfast. My heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. I think that God's faithfulness helped him to be faithful and steady in his life. I think that's the way it always happens. It's like God's faithfulness is like an underground river. There's an underground stream that nobody knows it's there, right? But then what it looks for, it looks for a way to go to the surface and to express itself. And so whenever he finds that place, whenever he finds that openness in our lives, that receptivity in our lives, you know what happens? God's faithfulness comes up like a spring. It's like that aquifer suddenly bursts forth and now it's coming out on the surface and other people are seeing it, and other people are saying, how is it that you're so calm whenever you're facing these impossible odds? 
Well, we can be calm whenever we remember the Lord is calm. He's peaceful. He's in control. He's Lord. He's upon the throne. He knows the plans that he has for me. I wonder if David was sitting there and thinking, wait a minute. God inspired Samuel, the prophet, to say that I was going to be the next king. How can I die today if God wants me to be the next king? And so he was feeding upon the faithfulness of God to accomplish all of the plans that he had for David. And so David was able to say, you know what? My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. He said, your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. I love that. You know, verses 7 and 8 and 9 gives us one more thing that I think would, would be really good. It's a good discipline to do whenever we're faced with impossible odds. You know what that is? The songs of the Lord, to praise Him. I think there's something very powerful about praise and thanksgiving and worship. There's something that happens whenever we begin to just lift up who the Lord is and we sing about His character. We sing about His salvation. We sing about His plans. That's why right in the middle of this cave experience, and it's all dark, and all of these things are happening, David says right after he talked about the steadfastness of his heart, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I will sing, and I'm going to make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. And then he says this, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. And so I'm thinking, thank you, God. You know, that praise and worship shifts all of my attention, all of my energies over to who God is. And suddenly it begins to express itself in my life, not only with a level head and with a calm heart rate and so forth, but also with words of thanksgiving and words of praise that I can lift up the Lord. I say I think that music lifted his spirit beyond the seriousness of all of his trials. What kind of trials are you going through? What kind of difficulties are you facing? You know, one of my wife's heroes has always been a lady that now is home with the Lord, but for many years Elizabeth Elliot, she would write incredibly inspiring books. But Elizabeth Elliot who her first husband was a missionary and was killed and martyred uh, in Ecuador by the Alca Indians. But Elizabeth Elliot, whose second husband uh, died of cancer, but Elizabeth Elliot was invited to speak at Urbana. It was a conference, a missions conference that was being held in Wales in 1976. And so while she was there at that conference, someone invited her Hey, Mrs. Elliot, would you like to come with us to uh, a, a see a sheep farm? And she said, "Why, well, yes, I would. So she went to uh, see this shepherd as he was working his sheep. And he had the sheepdog, and they were chasing the sheep up a ramp. And when they went up the ramp, the ramp came to an end, and then they had to dive into a pool. And she said, what's in that pool? And he said, well, it's a mixture of water and an antiseptic. And she said, oh, an antiseptic. And he said, yes. He said, that prevents the parasites. And she said, oh, I see. Okay. And then she looked and there was a ramp going down on the other side of the, uh, of the little pool. 
the reservoir where all the sheep were going into the water, going into the antiseptic, and they were getting doused in there. But then they were quickly trying to get out. But she was horrified when she would see the shepherd as he would grab them by the horns and he would hold them under the water and under the antiseptic for maybe like two or three seconds more. And then he would help them to get out. One by one, he did that. So she says to the shepherd, you're holding them under that watery mix for a few seconds longer. Do you think that your sheep understand what you're doing for them? And he looked at her and he said, no, ma'am, they haven't got a clue what I'm doing. They probably think I'm being mean by putting them under this watery mix, but actually I'm trying to protect them. You know, sometimes I think that's what we feel about our impossible odds. We're so frustrated, we're so scared, we're so worried, we're so uncomfortable, and maybe we're like David sitting in that dark cave, and we're thinking, why am I in here? I thought God had a plan for me. I thought God wanted me to be the next king. And so suddenly we're just sitting there and we're thinking, oh, woe is me. And yet if we only knew, the Lord has a purpose for that cave. You know, how would we even have this beautiful Psalm 57 if David had never been in that cave, you know, being chased away from Saul? And so I thought, wow, if you read 1 Samuel chapter uh, 22, you won't believe, actually, 24, you won't believe what uh, David did. David actually, his men said, there's King Saul in the cave. This is your moment. Go ahead and take him out. Kill him with your sword. And David cut off his robe, but he didn't take his life. And David said, no, no, it's not right for me to lift my hand against God's anointed. And so he refused to destroy uh, King Saul's life that day. I wonder if that's why the name of this song, the name of the tune was called Do Not Destroy. Because David held back his men and he held back his own revenge that day from taking it all out on King Saul as he was in that dark cave all by himself. And yet David said, you know what? I'm not going to take out my personal vengeance on this man who's chasing me. And it's a good thing. It's amazing how God used that. So whatever it is that God is using in your life right now, I want you to say, God, you're my security. Lord, you're the one who's sovereign. You're, you're able to control all of my circumstances. You're able to complete all of the plans you have for me. Lord, you're the best savior. There's nobody that can rescue like you. And so I'm going to trust your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And I'm also going to trust you that I don't need to get worried and stressed and fearful. I don't need to get angry and all out of control. I need to be steadfast. I need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and be faithful no matter what comes into my life. And Lord, I'm just going to sing your praises. I'm going to praise you no matter what, just like uh, Jehoshaphat did when he was surrounded by enemies. He led forth his people out there in praise. Wow. You know, whatever it is, just trust the Lord with that at this time. Why don't we close in a word of prayer? Lord, thank you for Psalms like this one, Psalm 57. Thank you for how you protected David and you led David, 
how you uh, eventually completed your plan that you had for David's life, I know that you'll do the same thing for our lives today. And so, Lord, watch over my friends and give them a a good day today. Uh, No matter what kind of impossible odds they may be facing, I pray they would look to you as their Savior, look to you as their protector, to look to you, Lord, uh, for that steadfastness that they're, they're wanting to find in life. And Lord, help them to, to give thanks and to sing praises, to offer up uh, songs of praise to you, because truly, like all the hosts of heaven are singing today, uh, you're worthy. And so thank you once again for this time that we've shared together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, that's all for today. I pray that God will bless you and that you'll enjoy getting into his word for yourself and seeing all that he has for you. You have a great day. Bye. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.